Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 556 with Corn Fairies' Gary Burnison. I hope you are still doing well. If you're working from home, you are working from home with gusto and finding some grooves, some rhythms, some flows, some energy to stay productive and healthy and optimistic in this challenging time. And I think Gary's got some pro tips associated with learning, a great thing to be doing during this window. So you'll learn one, the three mindsets to accelerate your career growth. Two, the overlooked elements that determine career fit. And three, why most meetings are meaningless. You can check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced inside your podcast app players, show notes or show description or episode notes or episode description, whatever they call it. And if you can't see those clearly, because every app is different, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash app 556. Now here's Gary's story. Gary Bernison is a CEO and a member of the board of directors for Corn Ferry, a global organization consulting firm. He's also an author, having written several books on career management. And his latest is Advance, the ultimate how-to guide for your career. It's an insider's look on everything professionals need to take control and get ahead in their careers. Gary is also a regular contributor to Forbes, CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business, and other major international news outlets. Mr. Bernison earned a bachelor's degree in business administration from the University of Southern California and holds an honorary doctor of laws degree from Pepperdine University. Big thanks to Gary for sharing his wisdom with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. And big thanks to our sponsor, Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. NerdWallet.com, whom I love on these sorts of matters, gives Acorns a whopping 4.7 stars and says, quote, if you want to make the most of your spare change, there's no better place to do that than Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash awesome or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today and we got a legal disclaimer here it may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provided compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com awesome investing involves risk including the loss of principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns as fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member at finra slash sipc for more information visit acorns.com now, here's Gary. Gary, welcome back to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hey, great to be with you. Well, I'm so excited to dig into your wisdom once again. It's funny, I believe it was episode 273 you were with us, which is almost exactly half of the podcast lifetime ago. <laughs> Not that you're counting, huh? Not roughly. <laughs> in the ballpark. So we're going to talk about how to advance in careers. And I thought it might be fun if you could maybe open us up with a powerful story of someone who was kind of stuck uh, where their career was going and then uh, used some of these tools to get unstuck and see some great results. You know, interviewing is uh, kind of a trip between, you know, it's this in between going to Disneyland and a dentist and we're all, <laughs> we psych ourselves out, right? And it, it kind of goes back to the sixth grade. Um, you know, are, are they going to like us? You know, are they going to like me? What are they going to think of me? Um, it's, it's a very natural human emotion. And I was in a Starbucks uh, in New York City a while back, and there was a young gentleman. He had a triple red eye uh, that, that he had ordered, and 
he had a portfolio in front of him and and you know i i figure this guy's getting ready for an interview and i see the resume you know and his his leg is tapping you know uncontrollably up and down and you know i just go up to him and i say hey so uh you know what are you doing you got an interview huh and he said yeah i've got that's exactly right i really need this job my wife um uh, my wife relocated here and I've just got to get this thing. And I said, listen, you got to chill out because you're not going to make it past <laughs> security. The, the way you're going right now is, is not good. And I said, look, you got to, you know, you, you got to treat this like a conversation. Um, you know, you're not auditioning for, you know, for Annie, you know, this is not a, this is not a rehearsed deal. Um, and he ended up, you know, you know, come to find out he got the job and he got the there job go. because, you know, he was authentic. He made a connection and, you know, he gave the interviewer a taste of who he was as a person, not just what he did. Yeah. You know, I think that that's dead on. And I remember being on both sides of the uh, career fair table. And whenever I heard someone, you know, just say, hello, I'm looking to combine my interests in accounting and finance in a challenging role that is like, no human <laughs> talks that way. I'm just, I mean, it's, it's not that that's a deal breaker, but it's sort of like, oh, you're not making a great first impression right now. And, um, you know, wow. we'll, we'll keep talking and we'll see where we go. But I'm not enthusiastic about the rest of this conversation from the first 20 seconds. Well, no, because, you know, people... They make up things. They, they, they say things that they think you want to hear. You know, resumes. God, if I see another resume where the, number one, you shouldn't have an objective. I think that's really bad on a resume, but a lot of people do. And how many times have you seen, I'm a, I want to be part of a collaborative team, you know, uh, in an entrepreneurial environment where I can make a real big impact. Oh, really? Like you and, you know, a billion other people in the world. You know, it's just not, it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so, hey, we got some great tips right off the bat chill out, keep it authentic. And it's not an audition. It's a conversation. So then tell us, you've got a, a recent book called Advance. What's the main thesis here? It's really to take control, to take control of your career like you would do with your health. And really kind of three basic ideas. Number one is, you know, it, it starts with you, um, but it's not about you. And, you know, if you want to earn more, you got to learn more. So, you know, the, the reality is um, you have to first be introspective about what your strengths are, where your blind spots are, what your purpose is, what makes you happy. Because if you're happy, you're probably motivated. And if you're motivated, you're going to outperform. Oh, you said that last time. I've quoted you on a slide, Gary. That's one of my faves. It's true. I mean, it's, you know, and people, oh, that, you know, is this really possible? And, and yeah, it is possible. I mean, you know, you want to actually, look, we all need to make a living. Um, so there's no, there's no denying that. And sometimes you just need a job. I get it. Um, but, but ultimately, you want to get something where you're, you're learning. Uh, because if you're growing and learning, um, you know, you're probably going to be pretty, pretty motivated and pretty happy. Um, and so that kind of introspection, uh, most people just, they, they ignore that step completely. Um, and, then, and then secondly, you know, you're not a sculptor in a studio by yourself. And, and so it starts with you, but it's not about you. And, and so there's, you know, a, a whole range of advice in this book around, you know, what do you do with a bad boss? 
Um, you know, how, how do you make presentations? Uh, how do you work with others? How do you work virtually? Virtually, you know, what do you do if you're managing for the first time? So, you know, as you as you progress in your career, you start out as a follower, and I would suggest there's kind of six phases to to a career. Um, you know, ultimately up up to leader, but um, at some point you have to make that transition where you're not an individual contributor, and it's really really hard. And and in that transition you, you've got to work with others so despite all the technological advances you know the past century it still comes down to the people and not just you know um, online interaction but actually old-school uh, offline interaction and then and then finally you know look it's if you want to earn more you got to learn more we've proven that the number one predictor of executive success is learning agility. Uh, we've we've done 50 million assessments of executives all over the world, and Corn Ferry would stake its reputation that it's the number one predictor of success. So you know the distance, the distance between number one and number two, is not constant. And the reality is, you know, what is a what does a great athlete do, or what does a coach do after a game? Well, many times they they review the tape, they they look at the video, and they go practice. It's the same for your career. If you're not learning, you're not growing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, hey, you don't have to convince me. I'm right with you there in terms of learning, and often. It's a bit of a do-it-yourself proposition, you know, in many environments. Sort of, I guess, there you go. Advance, take control, much like you do with your health. Well, you know, again, the do-it-yourself proposition. So here's the other thing why it's, it's critical to really target, you know, your next career move is that the reality is what Corn Ferry would say that we believe in 70-20-10 when it comes to development. So when you say do, do it yourself, so listen, only 10% after college of what you learn is in, is in classroom. 90% of it is either who you're learning it from or what your assignment is. And so a critical piece that, that people don't think about when they're going to go take another job, they focus on the bling, you know, and I can understand why. You know, they focus on the title, focus on the money. I just got to make some more money. Well, that's great, but they completely ignore that it's a marathon. And are you going to learn? And who are you going to learn from? Like that is, look, and you don't, it's, it's, I can't say you're always going to have a choice, but. It's something that you have to, you really need to consider for the marathon. Okay, I'm hearing you. And so that's a key consideration and something that's often overlooked. And I want to get some more of these gems from you here in terms of when it comes to employees who are, are stalling out, they're getting stuck in ruts, they're facing some challenges and not um, conquering them very often. What do you think are some of like the big things that professionals, they got to nail and they're not nailing it so well right now? I think there's a left brain aspect and there's a right brain aspect. So the left brain is all around specialized skills. Okay, so that that's very very hard to answer. It depends on you know what function you're in. Is it technology? Is it finance? Are you in a services business, manufacturing? You know that that world has clearly you know that that's changed. Um, 
and that's going to vary depending on the person. I would I would just generally say that learning determines a worker's earnings for life. So so those left brain skills um, have to continually be worked on. Um, the right brain skills get ignored all the time. And those right brain skills are really important to your to your happiness. And and so, you know, they're they seem like little things, but they're not so little things. And it could be this, you know, little thing called coworkers. <laughs> you know, that you know, the, the reality is that you're gonna spend way more time at work and with your coworkers than you are maybe with your own family. Um, so, you know, are they getting right or are they getting wrong? The kind of right brain things around who their boss is. Are they learning their coworkers? That culture piece is, is I think today overlooked, um, and it's critical. I mean, it's it's it, it's critical to just think about your day. Like, what is going to piss you off during the day, right? If you have a job, I guarantee you don't you don't wake up you know, upset, right? You're probably, you know, you're probably pretty happy going to work. Uh, then what happens? You know, somebody says something, uh, may have been an innocent comment, you get an email, didn't have the right context, you get a text, you know, text can't make you laugh or cry, you know, and you just get turned off. And by the time you're driving home, you're so frustrated, you know. Um, and, and so those things around culture, people don't consider. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love your, your pro take there on what are some of the best ways on the outside looking in to get a gauge and evaluation of some of those matters. It's the little things. You know, how are people dressed? Um, how do people interact? What's it like at seven and at night there? What's it like at seven in the morning? You know, it's funny, we, you know, you, you, you're going to go, you want a new job, and so that you start, you know, I would hope you're actually targeting, proactively targeting the companies and not being reactive, but many times people are reactive, which I think is a real problem. Um, but, you know, you look at these job titles and these responsibilities, and it's all these words, and it's really hard to tell okay, but what's my actual job? Like, what am I going to do Monday morning? Because you have all these lofty words and these responsibilities, and and it's hard to separate, you know, uh, what you're really going to be doing. And so I, I think a great way is to, is to really, you know, you know, like when you go to buy a house, if you buy a condo or a house, you know, I, I love to, to drive by at 11 o'clock at night. And look at the neighbors, you know, or I just, my, my oldest daughter was just moving apartments. And I said, Steffi, make sure you go there a few nights a week at 11 o'clock before you sign that lease. Because you want you want to see it when when nobody thinks you're looking, right? The problem with an interview is, is like it's a performance, right? It's a stage. Um, you know, people are actually looking. But, but you want to, you want to figure out what the place is like, what the people are like when nobody's looking. Yeah. That's what you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. But that is a nice, clear distinction right there in terms of, is it on display on, on show or is it 
the real deal. And it's the 11 p.m. analogy that oh, it's sparking all kinds of things. So then what are some of the best ways that we can get that view in terms of we're looking and they don't know we're looking? <laughs> How do we do that? Do we talk to former employees? Tell me more. Yeah, you do. You've got to be kind of, you know, private detective, right? You, you, um, there's, there's no other way to do it. So you, you have to work the, your network. You've got to do the six degrees of separation. You want to find people that know somebody that knows somebody that works there, right? That, that, that's the way you want to do it. You, you know, and it, it really does work. I know it, it seems daunting, but that six degrees, you know, of separation really does work. I found it to work in my own life. And so, yeah, you want to work that network. You want to find out from people that who have left. Sometimes they may be jaded. You know, I've, I've, I don't place a lot of stock in Glassdoor. Uh, I know a lot of people do. Um, but, you know, generally in those kinds of reviews, you're hearing from unhappy people that have left the organization. Um, it's, it's kind of, it could be a reference point. It's something to triangulate, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't stake my, my whole career and reputation on it. Um, if you can get, if you can drive around, if you can get access into the, to the office or the building, um, that could be something, you know, you can do, but yeah, you've got to look, it's, uh, you got to be private, you know, private detective. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, so then let's say you're in the job, away you go, we're up and we're running. You've got a number of particular prescriptions when you're in the midst of things. I wanna get your take on the boss relationship and meetings. So first, what's the main thing we gotta keep in mind in terms of managing a boss relationship effectively over the months and years? Number one, it's not them, it's you. So you're never gonna be able to change the boss, but he or she can change you right? They can actually fire you. So you can try all you want, but if you keep saying it's them and it's not you, it's not going to get any better. So there's all sorts of different bosses. We've all had them. You know, we've had those that are heroes and inspirational, and we've had those that are just micromanagers and, uh, and autocrats. Um, and so I think the first thing is you have to look in the mirror and I know that's really hard and because uh, you're going to say you know it's not me it's them but look in the mirror first and just recognize that you're probably not going to be able to change that person so then you have to take accountability for performance and the, and the way to do that then is, you know, the, the days of once a year reviews, th those are gone. You know, today people are career nomads. So what you need to do is take the initiative and set goals. Uh, you really do. Because you, you're not going to, you know, you can't politic your way uh, to the top. At the end of the day, it's performance. You know, performance does matter. Um, not that there's no politics because there's obviously politics, but um, performance trumps politics. And so what I would encourage people to do is to take ownership for their own, you know, their own goals and make sure you are continually talking with your boss about what's, what has to get done 
what do I need to do to contribute? What are the tangible goals towards that contribution? How do we measure success? Uh, and how can I help the team win? Because at the end of the day, you know, the reality is the boss, you know, doesn't think about you as much as you think about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So you may think a lot about your salary, but the boss isn't going to be thinking about your salary. It's not that he or she doesn't care. It's just that's not where their their mind is going to go. I mean, t you know, we have t almost 10,000 employees. Um, you know, I, I think a CEO has to care about their their employees, their their customers, and the, and their shareholders. But am I thinking every second about somebody's salary? I'm not. It's just it's not practical. So, you know, start with it's you and take ownership for performance and get in a regular dialogue with your boss around performance. Yeah, I think that's so dead on. And a good reminder, it's true, you know, I, I manage and pay people. And I think about the compensation pretty rarely. Maybe it's like, oh, they're doing a great job and it's approaching the end of the year. I want to make sure they don't leave me. <laughs> so that's about the extent to which I stop and yeah, revisit right. that question is like, oh, hey, yeah, they're doing great. I want to make sure they don't leave. <laughs> Here we go. There you have it. So that's a nice reality check for you. And yes, I, I totally i am with you that you got to have those regular ongoing, maybe reconnections associated with what's most important right now. What are we trying to achieve? You know, how are we measuring it? How do we win? And not, I guess, um, taking anything for granted. And maybe, I guess the alternative to that might be doing whatever lands in your inbox, just doing that as opposed to, these critical goals that we've agreed to well you can't teach hustle and um you know i will take hustle over pedigree any day and so what you're alluding to is people that have hustle and so i i would have a bias that i would much rather hire somebody who did not did did not have the the pedigree didn't have the family name didn't go to an Ivy League school, but is hungry. You just can't teach hunger. And, and I love that. And I think what you're saying is, is get it done. Like, just do it. Take, take initiative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's actually better than, than the whole performance goal thing. That, that's absolutely the way to do it. Um, but then you've got to make sure you're, you know, that, that you are getting recognized for that, right? And that you're not just doing somebody else's work. Mm -hmm. Understood. I also want to get your take on, you got a chapter called, Let's Have a Meeting, Why They're All Meaningless. <laughs> so a bold stance. Tell us about this. Oh, it's a joke. You know, I mean, I, you know, whenever he, so many times today, it's, you know, the strategic response to any question is, uh, let's have a meeting. Let's get together and and talk about it. It seems like it's the response to 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 every problem. Um, and and I think there's you know look there's there's a number of problems with meetings. Um, number one is that people people are you know they're on stage, and so their performances uh, many many times you know. Um, and they're not real. They're they're not authentic. And it's it's amazing how the dynamic changes when you have two people versus four people versus six people versus ten people, and also how the dynamic changes uh, 
whether there's a boss there or not. And so ultimately you defer to the most senior person in that meeting. And are you really going to say what's on your mind? Are you really going to say the truth? Um, and so, and so I just find them to be a little bit make believe, um, you know, and we, we all remember, you know, in college we had these group projects and, and, you know, some of my kids are in college today and, you know, they, everybody dreads those, right? Those kind of peer to peer, you know, uh, group projects and who's going to take initiative and who's going to speak out and, you know, who's going to hide behind somebody else's work. Um, I, I just think that people today, it's a, it's not a stage. And you know, for me, there's there's different kinds of meetings. You know, are you gonna? Is it an informational meeting? Is it decision taking? Uh, is it discovery? Is it brainstorming? Like, what is the purpose? You know, what are you trying to get out of this thing? And the other thing I'm a big big believer in is if if you whatever time you give somebody, they're gonna take up that time. And so when it comes to a meeting, I would, I would get, you know, I've got the 45 minute rule. You, you just, anything after that, unless you're brainstorming, unless you're doing blue sky thinking, it, it's not productive at all. I think it's a, a fun coincidence that our appointment is exactly 45 minutes today. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I believe in collective genius and I think that people are smarter together than apart. I'm a huge, huge believer. So, so the meeting can be absolutely uh, incredible if the right stage is set. And so what I mean by that is, is people are free to speak their mind. What, what I found um, being a CEO now for you know, a long time um, is that generally people don't have freedom of speech unless they have you know f economic security and so and so to create that environment where people can speak the truth and people can speak their feelings and that constructive conflict can turn can be turned into collective genius i love constructive conflict but you have to have the right orchestrator so that it turns itself into collective genius Hmm. Boy, well, that's really thought-provoking, the notion that uh, you're not really speaking your mind unless you have the economic freedom. And I, I guess that's true in the sense of, well, I guess they talk about, you know, the FU money. <laughs> it's like, if you've got that in the bank, then it's sort of like, I'm just going to tell you what I think. Worst case scenario, you fire me and that's no big deal. So I, I can hear that that resonates. So then if you are kind of working with managing folks who are you know, they have some, they're not quite paycheck to paycheck maybe, but they sure do need the job. How can we, you know, facilitate that psychological safety knowing that they do still want to hold on to that job? Well, as the boss, there you, you can have retribution. I mean, if your actions don't, you know, if your actions don't mirror your words, then it's never going to happen. So, so as the boss, you, you have to ensure that there really is a safe zone. And, and, and that that is absolutely reinforced, you know, every single day. But I, you know, we we had a funny story recently. I mean, it's kind of, you know, sad, funny, however you want to look at it. But we were interviewing an executive and the company was looking for a new leader and they wanted this person. They really thought they wanted somebody who was who was collaborative. 
And so um, we were interviewing the, this executive, and so they said, well, so, you know, the interviewer asked, well, so give me an example of how you collaborate. And he said, well, you know, look, it's, it's easy. Well, you know, we, we have a meeting, and uh, we go around the table, and, um, you know, we either give a thumbs up or thumbs down to, to the idea. And the interviewer said, so how do, you, how do you exactly do that? And he said, well, it's simple. You know, I, I first, you know, give my view on, you know, okay, this is a bad idea or good idea. So I, I say thumbs down. And the interviewer says, so, well, so how does, so you go first. So how does that really work? And the executive says, well, we have complete alignment. Uh, you know, <laughs> go figure. Go figure <laughs> Everyone right? agrees I with mean, you. <laughs> everybody agrees that? with me. You know, <laughs> needless to say, this person did not get the job. So it, you know, you, as the boss, you have to make it real and you have to set the tone. And as the coworker, you know, what you can't do is take things so personally um, that you start spreading all sorts of news and you know at, at the water cooler I mean you just can't do that that turns into a very cancerous environment okay next bit you mention the top 20 must-haves for career development in your book and that's a lot so can you give us the top top two number one is humility and the second is self-awareness and I say those two because those are the starters. Without those, the other hundred things will never happen. Because again, your you know, performance is is not just absolute; it's relative. And so, so this distance between one and two is not constant. You have to improve yourself. Well, if you, if you're not, if you don't have humility, then you're never going to be self-aware. So you have to have enough humility to be able to look in the mirror and say, what do I need to improve on? Like any great athlete does. Uh, th those are absolutely, you have to have those two because without those two, it'll be the exception rather than the rule in, in terms of making more money, getting those promotions, advancing and all that. Perfect, thank you. Gary, tell me anything else you wanna make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. I think that, you know, if I've just been shocked, um, whether you're in the boardroom or you're starting out um, in, you know, out of college or starting out in your career, that you don't treat your career like your health. And, and what I mean by that is if I told somebody, listen, you're going to have a heart attack in nine months, I guarantee you this afternoon you would change things. You would start juicing it. You'd start eating oats. You'd start walking. You'd start running. You would do all sorts of things. You'd go to different kinds of doctors. Like you would hop all over that. Well, when it comes to your career, I think people are just complacent and they're clueless. And they have this view that they're going to be plucked out of the sea, that somebody's going to come to them with this great opportunity. That is not going to happen. And today we're in a world of career nomads where, you know, people, I believe people coming out of college, Corn Ferry would suggest you're going to work for 25 or 30 different employers. 
And so, you know, people are, are, are staying for two, two and a half, three years, and they're moving on. They're parlaying. They're taking skills and they're parlaying. They're parlaying for more responsibility. They're parlaying for more money. They're parlaying to, to learn more. And so I think you've got to treat your career like you would your health. And I really do believe I would look at it and say, hey, I think I'm going to get fired in nine months. Like, I think the company's going to get acquired. What would I do differently today? And what you would do differently is not just sitting at your computer pretending you were Hemingway with your resume and trying to find the right verb. That is the wrong thing to do. What you would do is you would think about where you want to go and you would start to network and you would target those places where you think you could really make a difference. That's what you would actually do. It's bothered me that this, this just-in-time networking like something bad happens, your company gets acquired, your boss leaves. All of this stuff happens and people aren't prepared. And so you've got to treat your career like your health and, and be proactive and don't just wait for the heart attack to update your resume. Actually do something before. All right. Thank you. Well, now can you give us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? what's always on my mind is you've got to believe to achieve. And I, I think that I've just found that, and I don't know if that's something that I came up with or I read, but uh, you know, that's on my mind all the time. And there's another one that's on my mind all the time, and that's you know, fail fast and learn faster. And so most people are scared of failure, but the reality is that's how we learn. Whether we like it or not, we learn through failure. Um, and you have to try things. You have to take risks in life if you want to grow. And when you say you got to believe to achieve, can you unpack what that means in practice for a career? You have to believe in yourself. You have to have that inner confidence. And so whether if you're the CEO like myself, I think the most important thing is purpose. In other words, you know, most CEOs, they think about the what and the how and the why, you know, and the, and the where, but they don't think about the why. And, and the why is the most important thing in, in, I think, in business. The why is, why are you in business? And so I, I call that purpose. For me, as a CEO, what I have to believe is I have to believe in purpose. I have to believe in our purpose because if I can authentically represent that to 10,000 people, people will get behind that. For an individual, I would say that you have to believe in yourself. Without that, it is going to be very, very hard to advance. And that's why it's so important that when you think about the next job and the career, who, you know, who's your mentor going to be? Because, yes, you can believe in yourself. And I tell you, it's a lot easier to believe in yourself if others believe in you. Mm -hmm. Both have to happen. All right. Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Well, I, it's a book that I think it's, it's 20 years old. But who moved my cheese? And uh, it's a, you know, has a strange title. It's actually a very motivational book, and it's a very simple book. And 
the concept, which is so appropriate for today, is around change. And so this view of trying to make tomorrow different than today, of have this insatiable curiosity for learning and for change and not accepting the status quo and not falling into, you know, the den of complacency is what that book and what that's all about. And I think that is so important, more important today than ever. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I spend probably an hour and a half in the morning and an hour and a half at night with nobody around reading. And so all of the apps that I would have are all around news. And I found that that is, it, it's kind of a reflective time and it's a time to, to kind of be in the world and to understand what's happening around you and to make your world bigger. Um, and so I do that religiously every single day. Mm -hmm. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you a lot. Make people feel better after than before. And so I, I will get that. People will say that jokingly. They'll say it seriously to me. Um, I, I think you should set that as a goal. And um, any human being, uh, but particularly in the workplace, and particularly if you're a manager, and for sure if you're a boss, that with every interaction of an employee, do they feel better after than before? Oh, thank you. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Well, I'd take a look at the at the new book. Um, it's uh, it's just simply called Advance, and you could get it on Amazon. And we have a we actually have a new business, um, Corn Ferry Advance, that is all around trying to change people's lives. I mean, trying to help them in their careers. We've got interviewing tools. We've got resume tools. It's it's really the whole thing, you know, trying to change people's lives and their professional careers for the better. Mm -hmm. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Boy, you know, you want to be, you want to wake up without the alarm clock. And if you're not waking up without the alarm clock, you need to make a change. But that change needs to be well thought out. All right, Gary, this has been a treat once again. I wish you and Corn Ferry all the luck and success in your adventures. Great hearing your voice again, and thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate Gary's take on starting with It's You and taking ownership for your performance. And I think that could be easy to maybe want to hide out if you're working from home right now because that's tempting and a possibility. But the more you do, step up, take responsibility, take ownership and have the humility to see what's going on and how you can improve and the courage to take on some bigger responsibilities. Great things happen in careers. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep556. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. It's Mark McLaughlin. He's a surgeon with some pro tips on how to outthink fear, which comes in handy right about now. Hope to catch you there. In peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. 
Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.